Alrighty, welcome to Drunk Valorant, episode number 34. Um, unfortunately, due to some scheduling constraints and or errors, however you want to look at it, uh, this is going to be a two-man pod tonight. So it's, uh, it's just Chase and I. Um, we're unfortunately missing the hunter. Yeah, this is going to um, be weird. Uh, I don't know who we're going to get to explain shit, because it sure as hell isn't going to be me. I don't know anything about this game. Yeah, um, which leaves me to do all the Googling. Yeah, I mean, I'm totally fine with that, as as long as you can do it. Um, I don't know, I just feel like it's going to be a little bit lonely without Hunter this week. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we're going to be able um, to talk about shit. Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll see how this goes, and hopefully it, hopefully it works out, you know, all right. But uh, this one's probably going to be a bit on the, on the shorter end, just because we don't have three people's opinions to cover, and um, there might be a bit less dissenting, just because there's only two of us. Yeah, and it's been, like, a fucked busy week, so, um, yeah, the scheduling just didn't work out, but I don't know. I don't even know if we'll be back on track for next week, so I guess you'll have to stay tuned to see that. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be a hectic couple of weeks coming up, given all our uh, vacation scheduling. Yeah, yeah, we're just in the Um, middle of summer here, so people have varying vacation schedules that all seem to not line up at all, so. Yeah, so we're, we're gonna, we're gonna try to make it work, um. Just yeah. By the way, if you are interested in being a guest on the podcast in the upcoming weeks, uh, definitely, definitely let us know on the Discord because um, there's going to be uh, a week where Chase is gone. <laughs> Sorry, and then um, another week where Hunter is gone. Uh, I should be able to. I should be all good to go in terms of the recording. But uh, I will. I'm also traveling home, so I might not have the best possible setup, and I might also need to take a bye week, depending on how it all unfolds. Let's so, be honest, Cass. You don't currently have the best possible setup. No, 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 I don't. But like, you know, we're gonna be we're gonna be scraping the bottom of the barrel when I'm home. Like, I'm planning on bringing my headset with me, uh, just because I don't think. So at least you'll maintain the same shitty quality of mic. Yeah, like, I'll I'll ask my parents see if they got a headset kicking around. Um, I'll probably also need to bring my my webcam because, for whatever reason, I don't think my parents have a webcam, given, you know, which is kind of ridiculous, seeing as how, like, throughout all of COVID, a bunch of stuff is being done through Zoom. Well, they could have a laptop. Yeah, I feel like they both just use laptops, but, like, I've got a desktop at home that I'm going to be using. So, no camera on desktop. Okay, at any rate, um, Chase, you should have a drink in hand. Guys, you always correct? sound like you're doubting me. Um, well, you what know, do, what I do I look see... like, a guest on my own podcast? Yeah, I, don't, I, I don't actively see the drink in your, in your shot. You can't so see I, I my can desk tell. in the shot. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, I am currently enjoying the last few sips of a Canadian club ginger ale. Uh, which is alcoholic. It's not just a ginger ale. Canadian Club is a Canadian whiskey brand. Um, they make pretty mid whiskey. It's not not great, but this uh, this ginger ale is pretty good. They were handing them out for free on the street corner um, next to my work yesterday, and so all the employees at my job were like, "Fuck yeah, we'll take some of those," uh, and you know, cleared out a good amount of theirs. But yeah, it's pretty good. They're definitely getting more advertising now than they bargained for, you know, to all couple hundred of you. (laughs) So, uh, 
yeah, I guess we'll we'll give them the the quick shout out for giving me free fucking booze. I like that. Um, yeah, that's always shout out worthy. Yeah, I, I mean, after that, then I'm getting into a bit more interesting uh, beer, which would be the Mountain View Brewing Beer Garita, which is a lime sour. I'm assuming it's going to be a little bit salty too, you know, like most margarita sours are. Um, but I haven't had this specific one before, but uh, I'm excited for it. Is that one specifically a sour? Yeah, this one says beer sour, or sorry, lime oh, sour. Um, okay. Obviously, it's a beer. Uh, yeah. A lot of them say goes, right? Like you'll mm-hmm. have a, a lime goes because I believe that is a specifically salty beer, which pairs well with trying to make a margarita, quote unquote, inspired beer. You have a, a salty lime beer, which is basically a margarita. Um, yeah, I'll be interested yeah, to see what I, this I, ends I up like. Yeah, because I've tried their like beer mosa. Um, and like one of their other ones that the, like this brewery has come out with, but like, I think the beer most in particular would have been way better as a sour, but they made it as an ale. And it yeah, was, I think I remember having a sip of that and it was, it was pretty good, but it was, it was all right, but it was too much beer and it didn't really have the, like the full mimosa flavor that I wanted. Yeah. It was like, as if you were to mix like a beer with orange juice and therefore beer mosa. Even then, I feel like it didn't like quite hit the nail on the head because that sounds like something I'd be like super interested in, and like I was really excited to try this. Uh, and it just uh, it didn't quite. I don't think they just quite hit the nail on the head. Like I'm not saying it was bad. It's just like I just wish it was you know a, a bit better. And I think if it veered into the sour territory, uh, I might have really enjoyed it. Yeah, this one is a sour, so maybe higher expectations for it. Yeah. Alrighty, well, um, I'm drinking a backcountry brewing. Uh, don't let the Muggles get you down. So, somewhat obviously a Harry Potter reference on this one. Oh, dude, I love Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, and the description is, you're a Citra IPA, Harry. And that's it. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's... It's really good. I, I really like this beer. Um, I mean, I like Citra. Oh, oh, this is actually also kind of sick. It's uh, it's six and three quarters percent alcohol by volume. That's pretty dope. Yeah. Well, that's like really taking the uh the reference into into mind. Like you have to brew that specifically to that standard, right? Well, I believe it was nine and three quarters is the official. Uh, isn't that the number that they use in Harry Potter? Yeah, you're you're Platform definitely right. I think quarters. it is yeah. nine and three quarters, but it's absolutely oh, like, like referencing that. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. It's they just couldn't that. make the beer at nine percent or ten yeah. percent, right? Right. Um, uh, at least and get it to taste as they wanted it to. Right. At any rate, uh, I'm really enjoying this beer. I I, I think it's super fucking solid. Uh, big fan. See, part of me um, is now just wondering is if it's pretty much just a 7% beer and they're calling it six and three quarters, or is it literally like 6.75 ABV? Now, seeing as how like you can do volume shenanigans when you're like a proper brewery, you know, to like adjust the exact alcohol percentage. Can you do volume shenanigans? Because it's by volume. 
Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying like like because they're brewing like a larger like when we brewed beer, right? Mm-hmm. We just kind of winged it, and we're just like, oh, like we can calculate the alcohol percentage afterwards. But like you know, if they do a trial batch, right, and it comes out like a bit high, it's like okay, like now we just don't this time around, like we just don't evaporate off as much water, or like we add a bit more water. True. You know, I I, I feel like because it's a more large scale operation than just like a home brew. You can you can definitely fine tune your percentages way more. Well, and they know what the fuck they're doing, so yeah, they, they can probably figure that out from the get go. They've brewed enough beers. Yeah, they can probably do the math on it. Whereas we were just like, eh, I don't know, just fucking throw some water and in, malt yeah. in the pot, and <laughs> yeah. Hey, if it ends up whatever it ends up at, it ends up at like yeah. was our thought process. A bad um, thought process. We should have done more research there. <laughs> Oh, we should have just not brought it to like, like our definition of rolling boil was just not correct. Yeah, we should have watched a video or something. Yeah, we should have done some kind of research before just starting to brew beer. Um. Okay, but anyway, so some Valorant stuff here. Um, first and foremost, Chase and I have you know played. Played a couple of games. Um, oh, actually, hold on. Before we get to that, um, Hunter, what beer are you drinking today? I am drinking a crisp and refreshing OG Bud Light. Oh, dope. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've like always wanted to try that beer, but I haven't gotten around to it. I think it's not really available on the West Coast. So uh, when I'm out there next time, I'm going to have to really check that out. Yeah, yeah. I should be back in, in the area in like you know a couple of weeks. I might have to give that one a go. Um, it sounds like it's got some potential. I'm, uh, I'm glad you like it. Okay, now we can get back to the Valorant. Uh, <laughs> so, okay, so Chase and I played a couple of games since, uh, since the new act has come out. And as we specified, it's been a, it's been a bit of a busier week, so it hasn't been a ton. But I, very much going against the grain of what I usually do, have actually played a solo queue game or two. Wow, a game or two. You're really increasing those numbers there. I mean, <laughs> well, I, I guess mean, anything like, is an increase yeah. from zero. But <laughs> I was going to say, it's uh, it's quite a large increase percentage-wise. Um, okay, but the comms situation right now in ranked is mucho no bueno. Absolute bullshit. I don't understand what's happening. But this is something that I've talked a lot about with... Uh, Cass and really anybody who's desired to listen to me rant over the last couple of weeks um, or not desired it, but I make them listen anyway. But it's been kind of insane. This is something I've noticed at the end of last episode that seems to have definitely transferred into this episode. I don't know if it's worse or slightly better or just, I don't know. I don't know what the exact timeline was, but people have stopped giving comms. Like, people have just stopped talking. Um, obviously, that's not the case in every game. You're going to get games where randomly you have five comms or, you know, at least one or two people are speaking. But I think that overall, I've been noticing a lot more people not talking recently. Whereas in the past, I remember getting from, like, bronze to silver and being like, wow, silver's awesome. People are, uh, like, really calming. You know, and especially when I reached, like, gold, then I was like, you know, we're having good games. People, like, you can't even get into gold without comms. You know, that that kind of mentality, right? Of, obviously, if you're calming, then you're going to have better games and, 
you're going to do better, be a higher rank. Like there has to be a level there. However, mm-hmm. I mean, I was in gold last act and now I'm upper silver where I used to think, okay, this is good. Like we have a lot of comms and there's just nothing. Yeah, I've noticed a similar thing. And it's not that people don't have mics. Because, like, some of the games that I've been in, like, I will be the only person giving comms throughout the game. And then, like, maybe once every four rounds, somebody will pipe up and be like, oh, like, dude, you can run at her. She's hit 120. Um... Or just, like, be like, oh, dude, like, I made such a bad play there. Or, like, they'll, they'll say something. And it's like, dude, like, you, you've you got a fucking mic. Like, it, it, it's hooked up. Like, why not use it the rest of the time? Yeah, I mean, I try to give comms as normal even when nobody else is because I know that it's mm-hmm. going to help the rest of the team. Um, but, it, fuck, it's annoying when I'm in, like, a clutch or something and I have no idea where they're coming from. And I'm like, where are they? Where are they? There's just silence. Um and, like, after the round, somebody types in chat, like, Reyna was hit 150 or, like, 145. Yeah. I'm like, well, how the fuck am I supposed to know that? You didn't tell me. Um, it's also, know. like, if you're – if there's relevant information and you type it in the chat, like, when I'm in a clutch scenario, like, I understand perhaps you're not trying – you're just trying to not distract me or, like, you know, maybe I'm, like, trying to listen for footsteps or diffuse or whatever – and you don't want to potentially talk over that. But, like, I'm not I'm not fucking seeing the chat yeah. when I'm in a clutch scenario. And if I am, it's going to be similar to, like, peeking my minimap. Like, I could be reading yeah. your chat and not looking at my screen and get tapped. Right. Um, it's like, obviously, there there is the problem of oversharing when somebody's in a clutch scenario. There's a, there's a fine line, for sure. Yeah. Um, between, like... Like, what I want is I want vocal comms in a clutch. I I mean, I want comms at all times, but specifically in a clutch scenario, I want a vocal comm of, if I don't know where somebody is, tell me where they are and if they're hit. But you can do that in few words, right? You can say, backsight hit 50, right? That's all you need to say, right? Or, you know, one CT, one elbow something like that is all you need to say obviously there's there's points where people overcome and then it just distracts you the whole time you'd be like oh damn you know i hit reina 150 back sight and god it, I, if i only hit her with one more bullet like she would have been fucking dead yeah like oh dude like i should have had her <laughs> like just like going on that's like, a classic cast yeah. that's that's a me for sure i'm guilty of that one um but yeah, like, there, there's obviously a fine line, right? And, like, a, another thing that I've noticed is, and Chase is perhaps the one exception to this, but, like, I feel like the times when you need to calm how many bullets you have left is when someone's picked up a gun, right? If I'm in a clutch scenario and I pick up a gun, I might not be looking at the fact that it only has five bullets in the clip. So that'd be, a, like, like, you calming that to me, I think, would actually be pretty useful. Because I'm trying to focus on other shit. But, like, I find that, like, when I'm in a clutch scenario and I've been, you know, like, jiggle-peeking someone or or pre-firing certain angles and stuff, like, 
like I've had the gun the entire round. Like I know how much ammo is in the clip. Yeah, cap. <laughs> I sometimes just have no idea how many bullets I have left. Well, I was saying I feel like you might be the one exception to that because I notice all the time you're in scenarios where like you're sitting on like four or five bullets, and it's like, dude, like you've got you've got time to reload here. Um, and so I'll try to calm that to you, but I feel like as a general rule of thumb, like you probably shouldn't need to do that. Yeah, I I typically do know. Like there are scenarios where where I don't. Um, and then the calm is useful, but there are also, I feel like equal scenarios where people will tell me, you know, six bullets left. And I'm like, fuck, I know they're about to peak me. Shut up. Like (laughs) if I missed the first six bullets, I'm dead anyway. Yep. Right. Like, or they're going to have to reload too, because they're obviously whiffing. So I'll have a different plan when I get there, but hopefully I hit one of these six. But I feel like the other thing though, is you don't run out of bullets and go, ah, shit, time for the pistol. I've you done it. The, I've done stay, it recently a couple of times. <laughs> Every time that I do it, I'm like, fuck, I'm so good. Look at me. <laughs> I just switched to my pistol. Um, but then oftentimes, yeah, I'll just fucking reload in their face. And that's yeah. even better when I still get the kill. <laughs> I find the like, it, if you are strafing in someone's face trying to reload and they don't kill you before you reload, like, you've had hours to line up that headshot. Like, as soon as that, like, as soon as that new mag enters the gun, it's just like, tap. Oh, no, I start bunny hopping around and, like, 360-ing and shit. I'm like, don't hit me, don't hit me, don't hit me. <laughs> oh, yeah, I shake my mouse back and forth. Hopefully you can see my character shaking their head no. It's like, like, don't do it. Let me reload. Oh... But um, that, that's I mostly do that in scenarios where I know I'm fucked, and not in scenarios where it's like, oh hey, they're whiffing too. Maybe I can get this reload off. I'm almost done. Um, but yeah, yeah. But really, like the lack of comms, I don't know what it's a symptom of. It seems like you know you're saying that people have mics, but that might be the one person in your lobby. What ha- what happened to the other three people? Do they not have? No, mics? no, I'm saying no, no. I'm talking about the fact that like. I've been in games where, like, I'm the only person consistently calming, but at some point in time during the game, every other single person in this lobby has chimed in over voice chat. That's stupid. Or maybe, or maybe four, or, like, the other three out of four people have chimed in over voice chat. So maybe there's one person that genuinely just doesn't have a mic. But, like, it's like people will chime in at some point. It's just like, dude fucking say something you know it really like it valorant is such an information-based game right which is a quote that i've said probably 30 times on this podcast and the amount of information that can be portrayed via talking to somebody is way higher than not talking to somebody so it doesn't make any sense to me when you play the game without talking Like, I just automatically talk because it's the easiest way to get the information across. I want to win. If I'm dead and I have information that the person that I'm spectating doesn't, I'm going to give them that information because I want them to clutch out the round. I just feel like if you're not talking the whole time, do you not care as much about the game? I don't, I, like, I'll often calm for, like, other people, too. 
right? Like if I'm dead and I'm spectating somebody else's POV, like I'll often calm for them. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because no, because like, they're not calming, right? And right. and you need to give that information, or you want to give that information to your teammates, the other people alive, so that you know they can hopefully win the fucking round. Well, like I wonder if that's like like when when like you know when there are a couple of us playing together, I wonder if that's actually like more meta, is to have a guy who's dead designatedly calm for someone because or like dropping pings on the minimap right because like i now if i was willing to go through the effort of rebinding all my mouse buttons which like maybe i should do uh i've, li I've lately come to the conclusion that i need to take my dpi shifters off my mouse because i accidentally hit them um <laughs> I don't know why I have I'm... mine on my mouse, to be honest. I should probably bind them to do something more useful. Right, but, like, I don't know if I'm going to rebind them to anything because I find that I accidentally hit them uh, while I'm playing. I, I don't know if, like, maybe it's just my grip. My grip has my index finger too close to my uh, DPI up button. But Do you play ring finger on right-click? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I play ring finger on right click the fuck are you doing wait you don't play middle finger on right click you play middle sorry. finger on scroll wheel only no sorry you're right i do play i do play uh middle finger on uh on, on right click okay you're yeah right, see right, that right, that's what right. i was saying i've seen I, the grip I, 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 some people do play with the grip where you have middle finger on scroll wheel and yeah. ring finger on right click i I might as well do that because, like, my middle finger, like, I, I like, very much curve my hand. Like, it, like I have an aggressive claw grip um, to the point where my, like, my middle finger, while it is on the right-click button, is also, like, pushing up against my, uh, my scroll wheel. And yes, my ring finger does sit on my right click. I don't use it to right click, but it is sitting on that button. Interesting, interesting. Because um, yeah, I, I do play with an aggressive claw. And at any rate, it, it like it causes my my index finger to be all the way on the left side of my left click button, which happens to be right where my DPI shifters are located. So I've realized that I should probably remove those from being functional. Um, and then also perhaps change one of them to be ping. Oh, see what I did was, uh, mouse wheel in like mouse wheel click as ping. And that was the greatest like mouse, like bind that I have put on it. Like insane how useful that is because I've started, I, I realized that in games that I was in, um, a lot of times pings are better comms than speaking. Um, because it gives them the information without any more distraction than a single ping on the map. Right? If you ping somewhere, it means caution here. Like, you can literally say caution here, right? You can ping and, uh, like, if you hold your ping button and move up, it's, uh, it does a little caution triangle. But the just the standard ping means, oh, someone was there. Or whatever the context means, like, 
if that's all the information you need to give, I think that's one of the best comms you can have. Yeah, I feel like I'd rather you say that because, like, I see somebody pinging something, and I'm like, there are a couple thoughts that go through my mind. Like, number one, are you watching that? Did you just see someone, like, jiggle that? Like, like is someone holding that angle? I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I'd rather you speak because, like... I think a ping is typically, I think somebody is here. Right, right. Right? Like, like make sure... Like, it's like, the... make sure we clear this. Right. Or and beware like of this the angle. General, the general concept of it. But, like, I'm like, I'll ping something, and then I'll, I'll calm out over voice chat. Like, hey, I'm holding this. Right? Like, specifically when I've got an op, like, I'll ping out an angle and be like, like, I've got this angle. Like, you don't need to worry about that. Um, until I come that I no longer have that angle. Um, but like, so I don't, I like, even if you're like, if you're going to ping stuff, obviously that's better than nothing, but like, I'd still rather you speak. Cause all like, also if you're only pinging and not saying anything to it, it feels like I'm just fucking talking into the void, you know? I agree. It doesn't feel like I'm on a team of people. Like I'm still calming, but I do utilize pings a lot more. Um, and I think that that's been useful to my play and useful to my team. Um, I guess you play with me sometimes. Have you noticed that at all that I've been paying more or? Can't really say that I have. Which I think is kind of the point, right? It's more of a, instead of a calm, which obviously when we're all playing together, we're all calming because we're all on a discord oh. call, but it's more of like a uh, subconscious thing of like, if I ping something, then you're going to see that out of the corner of your eye or you're that you're just going to take that into account as information that you have. Right. And you also have to consider that, like, I'm also not usually playing like right next to you the right. same way, like another initiator or a controller on our team would be based on whichever one you're playing. Right. Um, I'm more often either playing duelist or as chamber to be, you're either, either way ahead of me or far behind me. Yeah, basically. exactly. Like I'm either way ahead or in a different part of the map. Um, and so like I probably just don't notice your pings as much for that purpose. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but I have had a couple of people like not use voice comms and use pinging slash the uh, default like callouts very well. But I think that that's very rare, very, very rare that somebody's able to do that. Um, voice comms are just so much easier and, you know, kind of an integral part of the game. Uh, I think moving on to like this, the second part of this topic is, is there anything you can do about this? Okay, well, I'm going to go out and throw something down here right now. It's a bit far stretched, but seeing as how Valorant is going to start listening into comms, if I'm assuming they're only going to do it if you get a certain number of reports or whatever for like voice comms, it's to combat toxicity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've stated that it's to like combat toxicity, right? But if they're going to give Vanguard the permissions to do that, why the fuck not have mandatory mic for comp? 
Now, yeah, I mean, that's a no small way. step, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, but like, there's no way to guarantee that people are going to use that mic. But at least they have one. But I want to know that at least you've got the ability to. Yeah, the only problem is, I mean, is it warranted toxicity if you're giving someone shit for not using their mic? Depends on the level to which you're doing yeah. it. Yeah. But... Yeah, I think like, that like, they might be hesitant to do that because of the ability of saying, hey, I know you fuckface have a, have a mic. Like, you know, being super toxic about whatever the uh, situation is if someone's not giving comms for whatever reason. Um, and I know we've talked about this before, but I know that uh, specifically women in Valorant have uh, a higher likelihood of not using comms because of the toxicity that they often encounter because they sound like a woman. Or like the other day, there was some person asking on like, on like the Reddit, just being like, Hey, like if I've got a really young voice, should I use a voice changer? And like, I was thinking about first, I was thinking about that for a second. I'm like, yeah, probably. Like, I'm not going to give anybody shit for sounding young, but like somebody might. Somebody will. I mean, I've been in games like, and someone's not, like, what not, are you, fucking eight years old? I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, but this like... eight-year-old jet is top-fragging our lobby, so <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, it's not like somebody might. It's like somebody will. Yeah. Like, it's a guaranteed that it's going to happen. Now, at what frequency is it going to happen? Is it going to be a problem if you don't? That I don't necessarily know about. But it's just like, if you did use a decent voice changer to the point where people can't really tell that you're using a voice changer, you're probably just going to get less toxicity overall. So that might not be a bad idea. Yeah. It sucks. That it that seems kind of bad. To, yeah. It's, it seems bad to say that like you should. And then like, I've also had, uh, I've also seen the other side of it where like, um, like, uh, there's some girl who posted on the Reddit just being like, Hey, like, you know, like it's even worse when they find out you're using a voice changer. Like, the toxicity just, like, ramped up when people identified that, like, they were using a voice changer. Yeah, I mean, so, I could yeah. definitely see that. There's no but, there's no great way to do it, but, you know. I mean, just having the option, that might cut out something, you know? Like, just people not even having a mic plugged in. It's like, at least you have the option to. Um I honestly don't think that there would be that much toxicity, but, like, who am I to say based, like, extra toxicity, I'm saying, uh, if mandatory mics were input. Right. Um, but then it's very hard, I think, to differentiate, like, say they were to give perks for giving good comms. Well, what do you determine are good comms? Like, people fucking scream into their mic, Right. Like, people just want to be annoying, and they make weird noises and yell during clutches. Like, that's not helpful, but does that register as the same thing on Riot's end as, like, oh, you were giving call-outs? Right? How do you differentiate between those two? It's not like, like, you could have some sort of AI listening into your comms, but that's just way too complicated. No, 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 I'm not saying that there should be an AI listening into comms. Like, I, like, I know that Vanguard is supposedly going to get access to comms post game to be able to check for like if there are multiple reports against like voice abuse or voice chat abuse right 
then like they're going to be able to go back and in hindsight look over that and be like oh yes this person was absolutely abusing voice chat or they weren't and it was just a you know like a a false positive or like somebody reported them for some dumb shit or whatever yeah but like the fact that they can do that means that they should be able to check whether you've got a mic or not in the first place yeah but i'm saying can you go further i'm saying can you go further like you don't need to go farther i don't think you need to go farther than that i mean i think that there's a reason to because as you said you've been in multiple lobbies where each person has talked at some point so they all have mics plugged in, and you knew that, but that yeah. that's not solving your fucking problem. No, The problem like, is that people with mics aren't calming. And you can say, yeah, oh, you know, like, as you go up in rank, like, those people aren't going to make it up higher. Um, and so, like, you're going to do better because you're a better teammate overall, and you're a better player. The problem is I'm not a better player. They might be a better <laughs> player than me. But it's fucking annoying. It's like, I'm not going to get to a level where I have 100% comps. I'm not getting to fucking Radiant. Right? Like, that's just not going to happen. So how do I make it better? How do I make my experience better in fucking gold and silver? Right? Like, I want to be doing the best I can at the level that I can play. And it turns out that, you know, some people, a lot of people, can make it to that level without giving comps. Yeah, eh, I I don't know the best way to do it without being way over the top. I mean, again, it'd be nice if they introduced a kind of a, like, recommendation system that I know some other games have. So, like, after you get out of games, you can be like, yeah, this person was a good teammate. And then, based on whatever your rating is, you're more likely to get into games with those, or with people of similar rating. Now, yeah, how do you but stop it's that like from being abused in some manner, and I don't really know. I mean, obviously, you can say like, "Hey, if you're queued with somebody, you can't rate them, give them a rating." Well, you can only rate somebody once, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I like I'd assume if I got in back to back games with some random person, I'd be able to rate them in back to back games. But at at any rate, right? It, it's just like. If you decide you don't like somebody for any given reason, right, and I'm three stacked with, or like we're three stacked and they're two randos, right, we could gang up on one of those randos and just everybody reports them for being a bad teammate. Yeah, I mean, hopefully that would be, in the same way where, like, I think the current reporting system is abusable, where, yeah, we could all report someone randomly, but there probably nothing's going to happen there because... You know, it, they're outliers. There's definitely get, would be a system there um, that would report outliers. Well, I mean, the thing with reporting is, like, say somebody reports me for something, right? Yeah. Yeah, that one might be an outlier, but, like, and, like, you, you couldn't really report me for, like, X-chat abuse because that one is verifiable. Yeah, but, like, say voice comms abuse. Right, like voice comms abuse, right? But like, that's only, yeah, you're right. That's an outlier, right? I'm getting like, and like, I don't doubt that someone has probably reported me for something of some kind at some point during this game. I believe I've said that before on the podcast. Like, there's no doubt in my mind I've been reported for something. 
Yeah, even if it's just fucking popping off and the other team reports you because you're like, fuck off, you know, like this guy sucks. Um, For whatever reason, I've no doubt in my mind that I've been reported for something, but you're right. That's probably just an outlier. Um, However, with the way that I imagine this this rating system working is like, it's all like a cumulative score, right? Someone says like, they were a good teammate, plus one. They were an outstanding teammate, maybe plus two. Oh, they weren't a great teammate. Or like, you could put like neutral and that's just net zero. But like, oh, they were like, they were a bad teammate, like minus one. They were a terrible teammate, minus two. And there's just a running tally of whatever your cumulative score is. Yeah, I mean, it could be cumulative, but I think there'd still have to be a system of like taking out outliers or having, you know, outlier games not affect your your score immediately. Right? Or maybe it's like, a, oh, if there's a consistent pattern, then that like you know, that that's mm-hmm. taken into account, but you know, if there's one game where two people report you or like say that you're a terrible teammate, um maybe it's just cuz you didn't have the aim that that game right right that's what right? i'm saying right it's like there's no way to distinguish that really from like hey maybe you just had a shit game you but know? if, if the if the one on either side of that if like all the games on on the foreside and the the backside of that game all have great stellar ratings of great teammate good comms whatever then you know those are ignored yeah but it's not even that they need to be ignored in, in theory like those would, yeah, they would be outweighed you should have a touch of, yeah they'd just be outweighed but, like, I don't know. I, I think, like, maybe there could be, like, a red flag system if you get, like, multiple bad reports and they're all coming from, like, a stack. You yeah. Know? If I get, like, three terrible teammate reports and they're coming from a three stack, then maybe that gets flagged as, like, a, hmm, maybe there's something here, you know? But, like... Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I think it'd be nice if they introduced that system. And then you got to go into the, the time to consider that, like, it'd probably trend negative just due to the fact that, like, you know, even if someone's a great teammate, you know, like, uh, for example, I had incredible game on, on Breeze the other day. It was uh, Kate's Hunter and I playing a game. We got two random teammates, great comps. Like, those two random teammates we had were at the top of the leaderboard. Right, like they were performing, they were hitting their shots. Uh, Reina was doing her job, entrying. Ko was following her right up, and then there's the three of us being Kate's, me, and Hunter. Just you know, like we all like we all played pretty well. We all ended positive. Um, but you know, like those were really great teammates. Like fully calming, you know, like talking strats, like bouncing ideas off each other. Like yeah, I would go back and I would assuming the system applied, give them, like, an outstanding teammate rating. But, like, if if they were just mediocre, I probably wouldn't have, you know, been like, oh, yeah, I should give them, like, a, a good teammate. Exactly. You're going to have the uh, the social media effect, which is the, uh, you never hear about the normal shit. It's only yeah. when somebody is really happy or really angry. And right, so if right. you're just giving normal comms, like, Maybe in the first couple of weeks of this system, like you re- you rate everybody, but eventually you're just gonna stop fucking rating people. You're gonna be like, whatever, I don't care, and you're only gonna rate people when they did really bad or really well, or really well. But yeah, so then it would trade, it would like trend negative, so that 
Because I, I think that you're most likely going to have more negative reports than stellar reports. Yeah, I, I would agree. So I, I do think that, like, you know, after it gets introduced, you probably trend negative. I don't know the best way to deal with that. I mean, if there was kind of, like, you know, maybe a system in place in which, like, you know, say you play two games and get no ratings either way, that just counts as a plus one. You know? Like... Or you have a like, neutral in there, right? You have you have a, a neutral, like, zeros get put in for people that don't rate you. Mm-hmm. Right, so if if you don't get a rating from someone, it's a zero, or it's a plus oh, yeah. one or a minus one, and so the zeros can still balance out those negative ones, the plus ones, whatever. Oh yeah, I guess if you divide it by the number of games that you exactly, play. yeah, 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 that might not. If it's an know, average that, rating over that, the that, amount that of work. teammates that you've been with, right, right, yeah. right. Um, yeah. I don't know. Just in general, if you're listening to this podcast and you've got a mic, just like please use it. You know, even if your comms aren't the best, like it it's better than talking to a brick wall. And the game is just so much more fun. The best games that I've had in Valorant have been either in five stacks with, you know, people I'm having fun with, or when you get into a lobby and everybody's calming and making jokes and talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's having fun. Everybody's like you know, having a good time, you're most likely going to do better because you're feeling, like, good in the game. You're not, like, you know, when, when you have, like, a bad shot or something, you're like, fuck, I, I suck, I hate myself, right? You're going to be, like, someone's going to, like, give you, a, like, shit for it, and then you're going to be like, oh, whatever, I'll get them next time, right? Like, that happens yeah. a lot more when, when everybody's talking and having a good time with the game. Like, even if we're getting fucking dumpstered, Right? Like, say the other team's got, like, a, a fucking radiant smurf plan for them, right? And we're just getting dumpstered. So long as they're good comms, like, I'm typically having, like, you know, like, a pretty solid time, you know? Everybody's bitching. I'm just like, oh, dude, like, that fucking Reyna, man. Like, she just one-taps me every time I peek her. Like, but, like, so long as everybody's just, like, you know, in chat vibing about it. Like, I, I'd rather be in that game than in a game in which, like... I just like no comms, nothing. Even if we end up winning that game. Oh, one hundred percent. If you're, like, I, I'd, I'd rather lose and have like good camaraderie with my teammates. Yeah, I just had like a better spent hour of my time in that game. Mm-hmm. If if we lose, if we're getting rolled, and if there were no comms, I would be having the worst time in the world. But there are good comms, and you can be like, "Yo, let's go shorties, shorties this round," and everybody like does some weird strat where you all buy shorties and rush through a couple of smokes. Like, that can be really fun, even if you get flawless, right? Yeah. Like, my personal favorite is um, a Civil War strategy on Haven C. Long during pistol round, where everybody just stands in a straight-across line at barrier drop on C. Long. And you just pray that they peek you. <laughs> and, like, from the enemy team's perspective, they just swing the corner, and there are five people lined up shoulder-to-shoulder. Just, like, not moving anywhere. Just guns in hand, ready to go. Uh, you know, like, shit like that's fun. And if you're getting wrecked, like, why not have the fun with it? But that's only possible when you're fucking calming. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm just, like, I don't understand the mentality of people who don't calm when they're playing. I'm like, you're probably listening to music, not really paying attention. It's like, I mean, yeah, like, similar dude, feeling what to what I... For. Yeah, play unrated. Why are you in a comp? Why are you in a comp game? Go fuck around when you're not having, like, when you just want to play a game 
and be chill and not talk and, you know, listen to music, go play a fucking unrated game. I have to say, that's actually one of the, like, that was one of the greatest things about League Play, Call of Duty, Black Ops 2, is it was not the default game mode. Everybody just played the regular game modes. But if you wanted to take it seriously, you do League Play. And every, like, I found that almost everybody there comped. Like, I never had this issue of non-comps. Yeah, because comp in Valorant is the default game mode. If you yeah. load in and you have an account that's over level 20, you're probably just playing comp. Right? Like, yeah. you're not going to play an unrated. Because, I mean, in a way, like, unrated is not as fun or more fun. I, I don't know. Like, it, it's more, like, silly, dumb shit. You don't really care. Yeah. Right, so the stakes are higher in comp, which is what I like about it. Is even if you know I'm not feeling good that day or something, I'm probably going to play comp just because I like the stakes being higher. Um, but obviously I'm still going to calm in that shit. So, yeah, I don't. It's just like I like I enjoy taking things seriously. You know, like I think every video game I play, I think literally every single video game that I have like pretty much ever played, like. I know what the meta is because I like taking the shit seriously. Like I want the best possible loadout. Um, I want to know what I should be using and in what context I should be using them in. Like, you know, like I, like I fucking took Pokemon seriously when I played Pokemon. Like, you know, I, all right. Tell, like, tell I, me the I, meta I, I like, of Valorant in five words or less. Stinger sucks dicks. Sheriff good. I mean, I guess, but is that really all encompassing? Are you really chamber, getting chamber op go burr? Yeah, Period. I mean that's more that's more <laughs> like that's more meta for sure. Um, oh, what what else? Like the meta just changes so frequently. Yeah. But, like, all that aside, I do think if there's one gun that you're going to be disgustingly good with, like, it should be a sheriff. Like, it's probably the best gun in the game to just end up being really fucking good with. Or now, Guardian. there's the argument for, like, huh? Guardian. Guardian, maybe, but I feel like the thing is, like, you know, if you're really good with a sheriff, you're probably going to be pretty good with, like, a Guardian or a Vandal. When oh, you're saying, like, if you have to, to choose that. one gun to be really good at, the Sheriff is pretty fucking good because it's cheap as hell? It's cheap as fuck. And effective. And really fucking good. Like, like a good Sheriff player in pro levels can turn the tides of a round with an $800 gun. And you see it with Chamber and his Headhunter. I mean, right? yeah. Talk about a, like, a $100 like, gun. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> Yay got an ace with his fucking headhunter in a fucking pro game. His team bought dick all. He spent 600 credits because he missed one shot. Yeah, that's dumb. You know? But, that, like, that's you, dumb. Could do, you could do almost that level with a sheriff. Like, like if there's one gun in the game that you're going to be unnaturally good at, might as well make it the sheriff. That yeah, makes um, sense. Uh, okay, the reason I brought up the five words or less thing is because mm -hmm. one of the other games that you play, Melee, is uh, the meta is describable in five words. Don't get hit. 
Oh, that's three. Damn. Yeah. That's all I need. Oh, I was going to say Fox v. Fox Final Destination. <laughs> oh, yeah. That works, too. <laughs> no, no, you got to follow the Isaiah Bible. I mean, that, don't get don't get hit if just a strategy. That's not the meta. No, no, that is also the meta. It's it's a strategy and the meta. The most it is also the most effective tactics available, making it the meta. Mm. Oh shit! That's what meta stands for. Yeah, did you not know that? No. <laughs> Holy shit! You just blew my really mind. Funny. That's really funny. Most effective tactics available. Oh my god, that makes so much sense. <laughs> like, I'm not like crazy surprised you didn't know that, but I think it's just really funny that like you didn't. I mean, is that like a uh is that a backronym? Or I feel like no. I feel like it's just an acronym that works out pretty well. And to the point where it's been so like ingrained well okay maybe that's what like in gaming but is that like when you're talking about meta in a broader sense in a non-gaming term mm-hmm. right that probably doesn't mean like if you're talking about like the metaverse that's not most effective tactics available oh right yeah i don't know like maybe it could be a backronym but i feel like that almost works too well to be a backronym I, I think that's the point of backronyms is that they work really well for the specific context. Which no, no, is... but I feel like I feel like backronyms are often more more specific or more niche to the point where like yeah they work and it, it like but meta again, like, meta itself were... is a term outside of gaming which is a more ethereal term right like the meta yeah. is like how things operate right 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 and like, I don't I, know I, where like, that term comes from. But I don't think it's an acronym for most effective tactics available. Tactics available. But most effective I mean, tactics available seems like a good backronym for its use in gaming. Like, maybe maybe it's a backronym. I don't know. But I know that in the context of gaming, that's what meta stands for. Yeah, that works really well. Regardless. <laughs> regardless of what the origins. But... Mm-hmm. All right, well, Chase had his little rant over people not calming, so I'm going to give my little rant here in relation to Valorant. All right. All right. Now, I'm guilty of this myself. I bitch about it a lot. But so long as moving inaccuracy or right-click inaccuracy is RNG, you're always going to stand the chance to get lucky. And I see a bunch of people being like, oh, like, like, oh, like, you know, I got running gun from, like, whatever distance, like, they need to change this. This is too good. And it's like, dude, like, no matter how bad you make it, like, like, if I'm fucking W keying at you and I just pull the trigger with an operator from all the way across the map. There's a chance. There's a chance, you know, like, if we if we ran this this scenario like a million times over, I'm going to hit it eventually and hey yeah did i get really lucky on this one i did but it happens right like i've got a disgustingly long range right click kill recently post nerf right against a 150 health target hit him twice in the head once to the body from like that's stupid basically really fucking far away but so long as rng 
is the metric of determining this, you're going to get lucky. And the only way around that is to say, if you're moving, you can't hit the head. There's just, like, a block over their head hitbox that, like, you're no longer allowed to hit, which is a stupid way of doing it. I agree that's a dumb way of doing so, it. So, like, at the end of the day, like, yeah, you're just going to get lucky at some points. And it's going to happen to you, and it's going to happen against you. And it's just part of a system that uses RNG. Yeah, I mean, I'd say that I agree with you. If we're, this is your mini soapbox. Um, like, I would agree that yes, RNG is a system in the game, and no matter how, like, rare you make it, at some point you're going to you're going to hit shit, or it's going to be hit against you. And yeah, that sucks. And you you can. I feel like most of the time when people are complaining about that, it's more like, what are the odds? Yeah, but, like, you don't go to Reddit and bitch about it, which I've seen a lot lately. I've seen a lot of people complaining, like, oh, somebody hit this right-click against me from, like, you know, drop to A-Halls. And okay. it's like, yeah, dude, like, it, it's it's gonna happen. Yeah, it's, well, I mean, like, you it has to be backed up by evidence of this is how many times people have hit this shot this is how many times people have missed this exact shot right and most likely the vast majority of the time it's gonna miss because that's how rng works and that's how like these likelihoods work the problem is when it happens more often than it should and i think that's what you you go that's what these people are thinking is happening whether or not that's actually happening I'm not sure, but if you're going to Reddit and you're bitching about it, you're not bitching about, like, hey, I think the RNG is faulty. You're bitching, hey, this is happening too much, and it should be, like, the, the odds should be decreased. Um, yeah, or, I mean, like in my opinion, just fucking get rid of the right-click on the classic. That's bullshit. Okay, but I'm not even, like, just talking about the Classic. I was just using that as an example. I know, it's like... just a bad example. I understand yeah. what you're talking okay. about, but the right-click on the Classic okay. is the worst example because it should be removed. Okay. Uh, I disagree with you on that one, but, like, fine. That's in a whole other can of worms. No, but, like, there, there was a game, right, where, like, I I swung B-Long, Pearl, with a Sheriff. A Breach running gun me from, like, B-Site proper, and I'm at, like, fucking ramp with the Frenzy in Pistol Round. I got double-dinked. He was full running. I asked him in chat, yo, were you running? He's like, yeah, I was. It's like, good for you, dude. You know? like, <laughs> Yeah, like the vast like, majority of the time, you, that's not going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, yeah, you run that scenario back 50 times, I probably win that gunfight over 45, like 45 times, you know? It's just like, and the other, and like the majority. I would of hope it's 49 times. times. Okay, well, I'm going to say, like, four out of those other five times, neither of us kill each other. Yeah, okay. And we both just whiff our way around to go, ah, shit, I'm out of here. Well, actually, um, I, I then disagree with those statements because you're giving yourself way too much credit to win 45 of those. I, I think assuming, I think you win about five, he wins about one, and the rest is a whiff-whiff. Let's get out of here. <laughs> assuming you stay there and, like, stand your ground, you know? Like, we're engaging in an actual proper gunfight, and then, like... You know, I whiffed, I whiffed two clips of the sheriff. Yeah, but in what like world is up. he engaging with a sheriff from that distance with a frenzy? 
The only way that he possibly stays in that gunfight is if he double dinks you while running across to an angle. Like, that's the only scenario in which he's going to try that. Maybe Buddy's cocky and I've whiffed a clip on him already and he's like, dude, this guy sucks dicks. Like, I'll take this gunfight. But no, you're right. You're right. Like, the majority of the time, we both probably end up just running away, just being like, eh. Breach on B-Sight. You know? (laughs) Call it that. But, uh... Hey, you know what? Sometimes RNG's gonna be in your favor. And sometimes it's not. You know? Like, everybody has those clips that you've saved, and you're just like, oh! Like, there's no way I should've hit that. Um... Yeah, like I've hit yeah a, absolutely. I, I've hit a jumping sheriff shot from, uh, uh, what is it, like, a Heaven Ascent that I updrafted, like, over the wall to look onto site uh, to see where people were, and just, like, fired a sheriff shot at, uh, at a main. Got a kill. You know? I'm fucking mid-air as jet. Accuracy is even worse than moving accuracy. It's like, you're, you're just gonna hit him sometimes, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that many people would argue with that point specifically. Um, oh, I'd be fucking furious if that happened to me. Oh, absolutely. I would go to Reddit and bitch about it, but like, man, I'd you're, be furious. You'd be furious, <laughs> but you're like, oh, you know, it happens sometimes. Yeah, That's how happens, RNG like, works in a game. Yeah. However, I think the the real like root of this discussion is RNG itself. Of Is there a better way than RNG to do things? I mean, my initial thought point is no this is just going to be a a standard like this is something you have to deal with in the game is rng but is there another way you could approach like inaccuracy other than blocking out the hitbox and rng otherwise um yeah there, there's and i'm gonna go ahead and just say no because if you're not blocking out hitboxes if you're just gonna like if you were to go to the extreme and to say hey you like rng does not or Okay, maybe maybe we don't block out a hitbox, but we take this, like, you know, in a different direction. RNG does not allow you to hit where your crosshair is, right? Because statistically speaking, if I'm full running and gunning, like, even with the current inaccuracy, like, I'm going to hit dead center of my crosshair. At some, at some point. point, yeah. Right? So if you remove that possibility, and it's just like, you can't hit dead center on your crosshair while you're while you're moving. You just move your crosshair, and then the odds are the yeah, same. You just, yeah, yeah, you just don't put your crosshair on the target. And then you got the same odds, you know? I mean, it's is like, it the same odds? Because technically, your crosshair, it being well, a technically point... technically, you'd have better odds. No, I think because it's... Because you know where it can't go. If it can't go on my crosshair, and my crosshair is not on the target, and there's a certain radius that it can be, I now have better odds. Because I know where it definitively cannot go. Possibly, but here here's what I'm thinking, is that when you're running and gunning, say, and you're completely inaccurate, and you have a crosshair on their head, your crosshair is a point, which is not the size of their head. And there is a scatter of, of possible locations emanating at the origin, being your crosshair, and expanding out. It's not an even distribution over that entire space. It, they will more likely trend towards your crosshair. Um, being, you have a high density in a circle around where your crosshair is being less and less density as you work your way out of possible locations for this shot to hit. Is is that how it works when you're moving? 
I don't know if it is. I have no I idea. I, I'm pretty sure when you're fully inaccurate, there's just a ring, and your shot can go anywhere in this ring. In fact, now that I think about it, I'm pretty confident that's exactly how it works. Well, because there's levels of inaccuracy, which makes me think that there is a distribution function, and that the level is a qualifier of how distant that distribution function is, or you know how okay. related to the origin it is. Okay, I see what you're saying, because I know that if you're like crouch walking with a class or with a sheriff, you're still pretty accurate. Yeah, so like there's different scenarios with different guns and like, you know, running, walking, crouching, whatever, uh, where you have a percentage of accuracy. Yeah, okay, but even then, I still think it's just like a ring and you can land anywhere in that. Because like I'm thinking when I'm with like, when I'm crouch walking with a sheriff, I just have a way tighter ring. And that's why it feels like it's still pretty accurate. Because the ring in which my shot can land is just small is, enough. Is just way small. It is just really small, given that scenario. Now, do you agree that it should have that feature or not? Is a different topic. But I see. Think I think that that, that might be a better way to do it. But I'm not sure if that's actually how it, how it works. We have this is classic drunk Valorant, obviously, where we're talking mm -hmm. about shit we literally don't know the answer to. But is that how it works? Because that would be an even distribution across that ring. I'm, I'm, very, I'm like rather confident that's exactly how it works. There's just an even chance that it can land anywhere in this given ring. At any given point in time that you pull the trigger or you hit mouse one, right? Like there's just a ring, however wide that ring is, is where it can land. And like you notice that when like you're looking at like... um like guns, like the Guardian, when, like, you ADS, it just doesn't have a ring. When you're ads with the Guardian, that's exactly where it's going to go. But when you're using a, a Vandal... You have a small there's ring. Just a very, there's just a very small ring. But now when you're moving with a Vandal, now that ring is larger. Right? I think that... And it can still land anywhere in that ring. It doesn't tend towards the middle when you're moving. It can go anywhere. Because I'm thinking, yes, that seems like the best way to do this, I'm that's more likely that that is the actual way they do it. You know, I'll, I would give Riot the benefit of the doubt to say, like, that's probably how it works because that just seems better than, like, a more or less correlated distribution function. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'd say that that just works better. So if that's not what it is, then holy shit it should be that um but if it is then i guess this entire no, conversation that, like, is pointless that, that's, yeah like that's definitely what it is like i'm well, very you, you're way that. too confident for not knowing no no but like i'm very confident <laughs> like um like i can't state 100 percent. i know that this is the case but like i can state to like a 90th percentile range that like this is the case why haven't i seen a graphic of these rings um, well, I know that this graphic is used a lot when people analyze CSGO clips. Yeah, but the way that inaccuracy works in CS is different than Valorant, I think. And yes and no. The way that, it, like, recoil works slightly differently in CS where there's a set pattern. But I'm pretty sure recoil, or I'm pretty sure inaccuracy works the same way. Obviously, it's different gun by gun, but, like, I'm pretty sure it works the exact same way. Hmm. Just inaccuracy as a rule of thumb. 
Because, like, for example, in CS, the op, when you're, like, slow-peaking angles with an op, it's still fully accurate. Whereas if I slow-peak an angle with an op in, in Valorant, like, dude, my fucking bullet can go anywhere. So I know it's different gun by gun, how the inaccuracy actually works, but I'm pretty sure the mechanisms behind, like, the code behind the inaccuracy is the same. There's a circle. It can land in this circle. It can be anywhere within this circle. But, like, like my, my whole point here is, like, there's no way to remove RNG from this, because if you did try to remove RNG, the only two ways in which you can do it would be to make it gameable or to make it just inherently fuck over whoever's currently moving and isn't accurate. Those are the only two options. Yeah, like, should there still be a possibility to hit that shot while you're moving? I think so. If you can't hit that shot while moving, right? Like, if they just say, like, oh, you... You're unequipped. Yeah, like, you can't hit the target. Like, that, that'd be kind of dumb. I agree, yeah, it'd just be dumb. Because then you're never going to take the shot, obviously. Like, it'd just be, yeah. it'd be stupid. Right. So, like, I feel like, yeah, like, there's there's no way around having RNG in the game. Right? And obviously in competitive games, RNG is a somewhat highly debated topic because RNG is somewhat inherently anti-competitive. Yeah. But I, I can't think of a single title that is competitive that does not have any aspect of RNG. I mean, I guess chess. I mean, whether you're white or black, is that RNG? Is rock, paper, scissors RNG? Not necessarily, but <laughs> pretty much. Also, I, I, I don't, like, in tournament settings, I, I believe you play, like, best of series. And so, in theory, being white or black would, you know, outright itself. I, mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. In a best of, but... I, I I don't know how you determine who's who's white, who's black. I could um, I couldn't give two shits about chess, so <laughs> here, I, that's enough to talk about chess for me. Uh, okay. Um. Well, so yeah, that that was just kind of my little my little rant there. Um. I know we just lost at least one listener, and that being Cam. Camel listener in the first place. That's yeah, a, I don't know. I guess uh, Cam will have to let us know. I, I doubt that you're listening yeah. to this episode, but he really likes chess, so. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. <laughs> okay, so. Alrighty, mo- moving on here from our, our mini rants here. Um, I'm going to kind of morph like two topics into one. And. I'm just going to weigh them all out here. Uh, together, and then we can kind of talk about... Or I'm going to weigh out two separate topics, but then we can kind of talk about them together and how they play into each other. Um, So the first one is just, like, power creep and relevance of agents. Um, And the second one here is, like, how many agents should be in this game? And I, I, I think that these two very much... Like, these two topics are very much aligned. Um, Now, at the risk of mansplaining, uh, power creep is when you release something that's just better than what was in the game before. 
consistently so that the overall level of things consistently gets higher and old things are outdated and less powerful. Yeah. But, like, I, I don't even think it's, like, consistently, right? Like, if they released... No, but it's a trend towards more powerful yeah, things in yeah, the but game. Like, I think, like, but, like, you could That is what the power creep, creep is. Yeah, yeah, well, that, that's, like, what power creep refers to, but, like, you can power creep an individual agent, right? Like, if you gave... Let's take, um... Name an agent. Raze. Okay, if you take Raze and you introduced a character who had a a similar movement ability to Raze, had two uh, two grenades that, that they could use, and also had an equal, if not just outright better, ability that was like Boombot-ish in its ability to clear corners, you would just say that's power creep. Like the, you well, yes, but that involves the introduction agent. of an of another agent. That's not power yeah, creeping yeah, yeah. one agent. No, but I'm saying you can power creep rays out of the meta individually without the overall power of new agents being decidedly better. Oh, you're you saying could just release, yeah. you could just release one agent that makes another agent uh, obsolete. Uh, Astra, when she was first released, and other controllers. Yes. Being yeah. Astra is the power creep for those agents, but Astra didn't take Jet's pick rate down. Right, right. You can power creep individual agents is what I'm saying. Yeah. Without without every agent that comes out just necessarily being better than previous agents. Uh but at any rate, like I think that's the same you know. thing, especially within their roles. Yeah. Right, because Valorant's like, a role-based game. If you're talking about power creep, it has to be within roles or within space on the team. I mean, like, like, like if you look at like that's Phoenix just power creep to, in general. Like current Phoenix, pre-buff Phoenix, to KO. Yeah, but they put they fill a similar place on a team basically. They do pretty much the same thing. Yeah, I'm not is better. But whether they're a duelist or an initiator doesn't matter in my mind. It's the role, like who's going to be playing them on a team, and it's right. it's not your entry space taker. Right, like it, it's uh, a flasher, uh, you know. Whoa, 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 hold on. Phoenix should be an entry. Well, we're not saying what he should be. We went over this last episode. Um, we're we're saying what he is. Yeah, he's he's an entry. When you yeah, play but, current Phoenix in the meta, you play him as an entry. You, but you don't use him the same way you use Jet Neon. Okay, but like, but Phoenix plays an entry role, whereas Ko can play an entry role but that's not his job in the team comp assuming you've built a decent team comp like like your ko can function as an entry unit but he shouldn't necessarily be forced to function as an entry unit whereas if you're playing G or phoenix in a jet comp your phoenix should be the fucking entry So there is no jet. scenario. Your jet's the one that's taking space. I'm saying, no, but like, there's no scenario in which Phoenix does jack shit for the rest of his team, whereas Ko can do a hell of a lot for the rest of his team. He can suppress abilities. He can flash for his team. He can, I, I guess, technically Phoenix can molly off angles the same way Ko can molly off angles. But Phoenix's molly mechanics are fucking stupid, um, and it doesn't last as long. So like. Okay, this you know, isn't like, about individual agents. Yeah, but, like, you get what I'm saying. I feel like... 
I understand what you're saying. I just feel like the the nuance between your two things are actually the same thing, uh, mm-hmm. in general. But regardless, okay, well, okay well, power yeah, power yeah. creep, like sounds like it's gonna be a thing, or seems like it's gonna be a thing, um, and this is because, and this also relates to the other point. I I forget what the other point was in so many words, but um. As Riot releases new agents, they want those agents to be played and introduced into the pro scene. And in order to do that, you have to convince pro players and teams to give up something in their current meta in order to change the meta to whatever your new agent is. I think not not inherently, because you can introduce new situations in which an agent is good, right? Like, but in order yeah. to have them viable, they are therefore taking the space of somebody else who would have been played in that instance. Now, are you taking the space of someone who's also being played in 20 other instances? And only in this, in this one instance are they good. That's one thing, right? But are you doing a one-for-one trade? Either way, you're taking the space of another agent and putting in a new one that is better at something than they were. Yes, but okay, let's take uh let's take the the fade um Sova example here, right? There are certain maps that Sova just wasn't very good on. And so you can introduce an agent like Fade who does fill that niche role or does fill that role to a better extent, right? Like uh let's look at Let's look at Bind, right? Yeah. A bunch of teams are no longer playing Sova on Bind, like pro teams, that is. But Sova was played on Bind. Right, but Sova was played on Bind, but Sova was played pretty much ubiquitously with the exception of Split. And Fracture. And I guess Fracture. Um, And so all you're doing is you're, you're still giving Sova his maps. Like Breeze. On Breeze, you fucking always play a Sova. Um, Ascent, Sova's still really fucking good. But now you've just introduced another character who can take over, say, Bind. Um, I guess Split's no longer in the meta, so we don't really need to talk about that. Um, Fracture, right? You're you're introducing a a character who can who can take the role in which, like, you know, Sova didn't excel in on these maps. He just happened to be the best info agent available at the time but now there's fade and now fade can take over that role on some of the maps but you're still gonna see sova it's not like sova's all of a sudden dog shit just because fade came out no he's dog shit because they also nerfed him at the same time i still don't think he's dog shit no he's not dog shit but like yeah like it's like he he has his place and it's not on every map but he's got his place right I see what you're saying, but also in order to introduce any agent into a comp, like take Fracture, for example, like Sova was just not played. Now, I don't know if Fade is in the Fracture meta. I don't think that she is, but let's pretend that she is for a moment. Okay. Because this was part of your thing as well of saying, you know, yeah, Fade yeah, yeah. In, fills this role on maps where Sova didn't. Um. Now, in order for Fade to be played, 
on Fracture where you, nobody was picking a Sova already. You were giving up another character in which was filling maybe a different role for your team. But who are you now replacing? Are you now playing single controller instead of the double controller meta? Right? And that therefore lowers the pick rate of a secondary controller and increases the pick rate overall of that single controller. So there are further down the order like repercussions, I think, from introducing this agent into the into the meta. You're, there's always a trade-off. Yeah, but like... In, in in pick rate. And and I think if you do it properly, then you're you're gonna see a scenario in which like 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 you're not necessarily power creeping anybody out of the meta. Like if, if you look at that from that standpoint, Phoenix was relevant in the early days of Valorant meta, right? Yeah. He has not seen any play. And like you he's been power it, crept oh, out, definitely. It, well, I'm saying like there is the way to look at it as if he, he's like what his role was on a team is just no longer part of the meta because people have begun to lean away from double duelists or whatnot. But I think that yes, he's been power crept out because KO does Phoenix's job better. Yeah, so no, any- I think you're you're right that, yeah, the whole, like, double duelist meta, you know, the, that's like an ideological or, like, gameplay strategy meta. And I think that that's fair to have agents go in and out of that kind of meta, um, where better strategies are consistently being developed and therefore, you know, different team comps, stuff like that. But it's when a new agent is introduced and that takes something out of the meta. That would be power creep. Let me look at it and see, is anybody playing Fade on Fracture? Um, Breeze, Fracture's probably at the fucking bottom here, right? I mean, uh, I don't know. Yeah, oh, you know, like, I, like, I definitely see what you're saying. It's just, like, I... I, I like. I just don't know if I fully agree that it works in the exact manner that you're laying out. You know. Okay. Well, so you know the uh, the litmus test on how to make sure like a statement is universal or not. I actually do not. Uh, it's basically like blow it up to its extreme, and is it still viable? Okay. Um. So, in this case, we're gonna blow it up to its extreme by saying there are so many agents in the meta. That each of them fill a specific role in a specific place. Okay. If you were to introduce another agent and want them to get play at the pro level, you would need to be removing an agent from the pro meta in order to do that. Yes, at this extreme you would. And therefore, this new agent has to be better at that specific role than another agent. Yes. And therefore, power creep is inherently part of this system. Okay, but I because I think every new problem... agent you're introducing, if they are better at a specific role than somebody else in the meta, then they must be more powerful. Now, okay, I, I think there are two things that we're not taking into consideration here. Um thing number one is well, yes, your extreme works in that context. I don't think we have enough agents in the game to fill every niche. 
which is also part of what this topic is going to get into. But the the other thing that I think it's not accounting for is comfort picks. When Ascent won champions, they picked a way out of the meta omen. Ascend. On split. Ascend, yeah. When Ascend won champions, they picked a way out of the meta omen on split. Because I believe it was Bone Cold was just like, I like playing omen. Did it work out for him? Yeah, it did. Like, I, like I, I think part of what your your extreme example doesn't account for is just like, hey, I am damn good at this game, and I like playing this agent, so I'm going to do it. And then the other more technical counterpoint to that is, like, there's we just don't have enough agents in the game for every niche role to be filled. No, but are they getting to a point, or are is Valorant going to a point where that will happen in the maybe distant future? but the future nonetheless. And that's kind of the second part of this topic that I was saying it related to is yeah. that there has to be a point in which like Riot says there are enough agents in the game. Because there's no way you're going to have like your ideal scenario where, you know, every map has five different characters that are meta on that map. Like that's just not going to be the case. And obviously there's, there's comfort did, picks. You've got seven times five, right? As like the maximum cap. Yeah. If that's what you went with, right? If we're saying like, oh, like you play these five agents on this map and then these other five agents on this map, like even if it got to that point, like that still only allows for 35 agents max. Yeah. Um, Which like. I mean, that's a lot yeah. more than we currently have in the game, but it's not an insane amount more. Right. I think, like, you know, like 100 would be like, what the fuck? How do you even approach this? Yeah, and I, they will never get to that level because yeah. it would just be a ridiculous game to mm. join. I feel like, I mean, how many characters does League have? Do you that's know? That's a great question. I have no fucking clue. But, but it's that too is many, horrible. right? It's It's too many characters. I feel like if I were to join a League game, which I never will... Probably. Um, uh, the last thing that I can see is more than a, a 140 champions. That's fucking like, insane. You're like, who do you play? There's no way that I, you would ever know unless you've been playing the game for so long that you've seen a lot of these characters be released. Um, I don't even think you need to. I think they're just agents or like, I think League does it in a manner in which like, they're just certain people that are like almost like flavor of the month. Like you play these characters like thresh right like now if i'm wrong about this let me know i don't play any fucking league all i know is thresh is supposedly a disgustingly good fucking like champion and so like he gets banned in most scenarios because people are like uh we don't want to play against him let's just ban him you um, have 140 to choose from? Yeah, That's... There are probably 100 of them that are just utter dog shit at a professional level and are never going to see play. That's stupid, though. Even at a at, at a non-professional level, if I were to join a ranked game, say in Valorant, and there were 100 agents to choose from, I'd be like, I'm deleting this game. Like, if this was my <laughs> first game in, I'd be like, I don't know what to do here. Like, right. this is way too much. Oh well, yeah, I I definitely felt way fucking overwhelmed when I attempted to play League. I attempted to play two games, um, 
But I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's a fucking MOBA, and MOBAs in general are just fucking overwhelming. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of information and a lot of shit going yeah. on, right? There's just way too much shit going on, and, like, there is a lot of games that people play competitively to, like, an esports level that I've never touched in my life. Yeah, no but shit. if I were to watch it, I think I could understand what is going on. MOBAs are not one of them. Hanging out at my buddy's place, you know, um, you know, Maddie Newland. Um, but we're hanging out in Toronto, and apparently Worlds for League was going on, and so he uh, he had it up running on his computer uh, while we we're just hanging around, drinking and talking. I couldn't understand a goddamn thing that was going on. Like the casters are fucking popping off, getting all hype, talking about whatever scenario is going down. And I'm just sitting here just like, I have no idea who's winning this game. I have literally no idea what's going on. I know that you want to be the last person to hit the minions because you get like extra gold or some shit. Now, what do you do with that gold? I don't fucking know. But something, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what these terms mean. But yeah, I would have no idea. Kill, you want to kill this thing called a baron. Because it gives you, like, a team-wide buff. But fuck, dude. Like, th there's just way too much shit going on. To the point where, like, yeah, I'd agree. MOBAs in general are somewhat unapproachable. And yeah, and I think that's something... forty fucking characters. Yeah. And, and it just makes it even more unapproachable. You don't know what's happening. But I think that that's something that's very, like, nice about Valorant currently. Is that I think that most people... If they were to decide to sit down and watch a pro game with me, within the course of that game, within the course of the first couple of rounds of that game, they're going to understand what's happening. Now, they might not get all of the little things of like, oh, you see how they wide peaked this or they're walking here so as not to alert somebody here, right? They're not going to get that shit, which we might know from playing the game for so long, but they're going to they're gonna understand, oh, this team plant bomb, this team try to not plant bomb yeah, yeah been too much time also... goes boom right like that there's a general idea of of how the the game works and like there's a lot of utility and stuff but with 10 characters in the game after a, a few rounds you're gonna understand what things do you're gonna be like okay that makes them not see that blocks off angle like that's it's yeah, going to okay, be I general. Getting, I, like, I, I think you're dumbing it down too much to the point where, like, like it, it, if if I sat down with someone who had never played Valorant, never seen Valorant, has no idea what's going on, and they tried to watch a pro game with me, like, they don't understand why you would play a certain agent over another agent. And they probably don't even know what all the fucking abilities do. And I can explain it kind of as the round goes on, but that doesn't necessarily stop them from being like, oh, I see what this agent is doing. And if you joined this game late, right? Like when I first started playing, there were 14, 15 agents. Now there's what? Are we pushing 20? Yeah, I'm not the one to ask. Yeah. Okay. At any rate, um, this is why we usually have fucking Hunter over here. Hunter, how many agents are in the game? Uh, like, like, 18-ish? Uh, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, but at any rate, it's, 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 I don't think we're quite at 20. Um, but I think we're at, like, 19. Maybe 18. 
Actually, I have no fucking clue. But I don't think we're at 20. At any rate, like, when I first started playing, right, I would come across a scenario in which it's like, what the fuck does this person do? Like, what is this green fucking shit flying at my face? Oh, yeah. And now we're cat. now we're like, oh, that's, yeah, I was going to yeah, say a, yeah, a viper like, roll. Like, but, you know. <laughs> it's like, I didn't fucking know what that was when I first started playing. That didn't stop me from enjoying the game for what it is. You know? It, like, yeah, when you first start playing, yeah, you're not going to understand what every single ability does. It's going to take you a bit. I mean, maybe you could go watch a YouTube video, which gives you a quick little breakdown of, oh, here's what every ability in the game does. Now, does that YouTube video get longer the more agents that are added? Yeah, it does. But I, I feel like no matter what, when you start, you're not going to understand everything that's going on. And I feel like that's just kind of an inherent fact of joining a competitive game later on or any game later on after its release yeah but you can watch csgo and know almost nothing except other than how the the game was originally released and you know exactly what's happening yeah but you know what's fucking mind-boggling when i turned into a csgo match and apparently they allowed you to drop grenades on the ground that was fucking mind-boggling when i first saw that I don't know, I know what that means, but I would ass I would assume that it's pretty easy to get over. You're like, oh, they had a grenade. You know what a grenade is. Now instead of arc, you can drop it. Like, no, 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 no. It's not about arc. You can drop it. It's, it's it, okay. So like, obviously in Valorant it doesn't work the same way CS does. Like all your agents have like abilities, but in CS you can buy a couple of different grenades. You can buy a flash grenade, a molly, or a smoke. Technically, there's a decoy grenade, which just makes gunshots at wherever it fucking lands. Nobody ever fucking uses that thing, besides as a fake flash, because it's cheaper. Um, maybe there's another grenade that I'm thinking of. I don't fucking know. I haven't played CS in forever. But point being, it used to be that, like, I could buy these grenades the same way that you would buy your abilities as an agent. Oh, but now you're saying and, you like, can drop them to other people. You can just drop yeah. them on the ground and someone else can pick them up. Yeah, so, like, the meta... For, like, one of the maps just, like, completely fucking flipped on me. Because it used to be, like, oh, like, teams can kind of wait out banana. And I know that that call-out means nothing to you, but anybody who knows what CSGO will know what that is. Um, And, like, maybe they've got one, maybe they've got two defenders B-site. And, like, you can just kind of wait out the smokes. And then once the smokes are gone, then you can fucking push that site. Because there are no more smokes there unless, like, somebody rotates. And so, like, what teams used to do would be, like, oh, like... I'm now going to rotate over to a site because I've dropped my smoke and I no longer have one. Let me get someone who still has a smoke to rotate over to B site so we can smoke this over for longer. But now people Whereas, can just drop a bunch of smokes there for one player to hold. Yeah. Now, now you can just fucking drop smokes and spawn. Yeah. Or, or yeah, basically just drop a bunch of smokes over it, like run over at B site at the start of the round, drop some smokes off or whoever's going to be defending that. And you can have a single defender just like pick up smokes and chuck them and like hold that off for longer. And so, like, it used to be that you could count smokes that went down and have, like, an idea of how many people were holding B-Site. But now you have no and, idea. Like, I, I understand. No like, that, that that makes sense. But I still feel like there's a beneficial part of Valorant that it is easier to understand, which is 
it didn't take you that long to understand, oh, they can drop smokes to other people. How has the meta changed because of that, right? Whereas you've watched multiple league games and you still don't know what's happening. Yeah, but I think that's just a facet of the game, not the number of agents. Because I haven't even been paying attention to what the fucking agents do because I don't give a shit. I'm just like, like when I watch League, I'm trying to understand what the fuck is going on, and I don't. I know what all the terms mean. Like, I know what ganking is. I know what jungling is. I know what, like, mid lane or top lane or bottom lane is. But, like, I just don't understand the gameplay. Which is perhaps something that Valorant lends itself to. Right? Like, the gameplay is easier to understand. And the, the minutia of it being round-based and how the economy works and what each agent does. Uh, someone who just starts watching the game might might not pick that up. And that's fine. If you can enjoy watching it for what it is without understanding that, that's great. But again, I think that's just a facet of what the game is. And that doesn't really have that much to do with what the agent variety is. Yeah, I understand. I feel like the way I was explaining it earlier was as if I was explaining like, oh, you know, you watch a game of football for the first time and you're like, oh, okay, this team tried to go to this end zone. This team tried to go to this end zone. Right, like obviously, football has a lot more nuance to that, and a lot more strategy and different plays that are happening and things like that. And that I may have been dumbing it down a little bit too much on the Valorant side. But my main point was that I feel like if we get to a point where there's so many agents, with so many new abilities, not only are you going to have this power creep, um, because you need to constantly be replacing old people in the meta with your new agent that must now be better in some aspect. Um, you are also just going to have so many agents that it'll be difficult to understand what all of the utility is doing. And that newer, better utility might look completely different. It might be told get lend itself to completely different scenarios than you've ever seen before in the game. And I think that there is a point at which that becomes too much. Yeah, I'd agree with you, but like, I'd agree that at a certain point, yeah, there would just be too much. It, it would make it more unapproachable. But I don't know. Number one, I don't know exactly where that comes into play. And number two, I don't know if that inherently makes the game unapproachable. Because you can you can always find like something that you enjoy. And at the end of the day, Valorant is supposed to be built on gunplay. Like, that's what it is. It's a first-person shooter. Yeah. Right? No matter how good my ability usage is, with the perhaps slight exception of maybe a raise in which all your shit does damage. Right? And you can get away with... You're just fucking god-tier with your abilities, and you've got good team synergy with someone who can help, like, say, an Ashtar or a Fade who can hold people in place, and you can just kill everything with your abilities. At the end of the day, like, yeah, you've got a limited amount of abilities, and you got to fucking shoot people. And I think that's always going to be a core factor of Valorant. Is like, there, there, there's no way to not just shoot someone. Like, every character has access to the same guns with, you know, an asterisk next to chamber, but, like, you, you've got the same tools at hand. And for the most part, you got to shoot people to get kills. And that's what the game's built on. 
So do you not, like, we haven't even gotten to your opinion here about what you think about power creep. I've been ranting about how I think that it's a going to be a problem if Riot keeps the same, like, mentality with their new agents. Um, but what's your opinion on it? I I think that, uh, assuming they do, they, and now, obviously, this is an assumption, but, like, assuming that they do a good job of creating niches and you know like basically if you create a pros and cons list for each agent and they're all relatively fair i think you could get to about 40 or so agents 40 being in my mind kind of the upper limit before things just go to shit and then it's just not possible i think somewhere between 30 and 40 is kind of the upper limit of how many you can have and create scenarios in which there's a reasonable pros and cons list to to play each agent. Um, and I think so long as you do a good job balancing the agents within that threshold, then power creep is not going to be an inherent factor. Now, if we see them having to go back and constantly buff the the original agents, say Phoenix is one um you know like if sage just gets removed from the meta because no one's playing her anymore and they need to buff sage's whole kit then i would say that's power creep but i think currently we're in a situation where yeah you don't see phoenix anymore but that's just a factor of the meta and his kit not being inherently suited to the meta Whereas, like, Reyna, for example, is still incredibly good at ranked play. You just don't see her at pro play because team utility is just so much more important when you can have a full team with strategies and comms, and then there's just one fucking agent sitting on the side that's just like, oh, I guess I can blind somebody until somebody shoots it. Yeah, I mean, that that's a good no. example of what I think that Riot needs to do. And I think that, like, the solution to the issues that I was talking about is Riot needs to be okay with releasing an agent that will not be played in the pro level. Now, that introduces its own problems, which I can get into as well. But uh, basically, when Riot is coming up with an agent, I think that they need to say, like, oh, this might not get played in the pro level. It doesn't take away like the best aspect of this team comp or like replace the best aspect, whatever. Um, but fuck, it's going to be fun. Something like that, right? Yep. It's going to be interesting, unique. It's going to be fun. So someone's going to pick it up, maybe at pro the pro level as a comfort pick or because someone thinks it's fun, they're going to find something interesting with it, but not because it's better than something else. Mm -hmm. and, and therefore you're going to get diversity in the pro pro meta because maybe some teams will think oh i just like this and i'm gonna try to use it um but it's not necessarily a better version of something else for a certain instance um mm -hmm. it's just different entirely and riot needs to be okay with that and with seeing you know an agent like reyna who gets no play at the pro level or basically none um but some like people like her, especially in ranked. Like she has her own strengths. Mm -hmm. um, do oh, I, I want a second Reina? No, but in the similar manner that that kind of mentality. Yeah, I I really do want to 
get back to that thought, but I also really need to take a piss. So I'm going to have to call for a brief intermission here. Okay. All right. So yeah, I like, I fully agree with the idea of like, yeah, they need to be willing to add agents that don't necessarily excel at the, the at the pro meta. And I, I, I do think that we are going to see that kind of come to fruition in like the context of like what the Phoenix buffs seem to be. Because the Phoenix buff don't, the Phoenix buffs that were like, that have been proposed and we believe are going to be added into the game are not fundamentally changing anything that his character does. And I, I, I think that's going to cause him to not see any pro play. However, I think that the changes that they're going to make are going to make him a, a much more viable ranked pick. Yeah, that's that's an interesting way to think about it because last week we were like, oh, this is really doing nothing to Phoenix. But I see what you're saying is that it, if I'm thinking about it this way, it might actually just be a good thing. Like people just who like playing Phoenix might just want to play Phoenix better. Even I, I still think he has really shitty utility, but a lot of that opinion is influenced by what we see in ranked versus pro play. Like. I might actually play a bit of Phoenix post the like post the buffs. I mean, the buffs are already in the game, right? Are they? I I don't. Fuck, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't think they were. If they are, well, shit, I haven't noticed them. Um, but I also haven't played any Phoenix. But I was saying that, like, I you know, I like the like I I've always liked the idea of Phoenix, right? And like, I Phoenix was the first agent that I played in this game. Uh, because, like, you go through the tutorial and, like, they put you on Sova, right? But we kind of started at similar times, and you were playing Sova. Yeah. And so I was looking through the rest of the agents, and I was like, ah, shit, like, Phoenix is the most CSGO-like. He's got a molly, and he's got flashes. I'm gonna take Phoenix. Um, and so I played a bunch of Phoenix, right, when I first started playing. And that's when I realized I like opping, and therefore I started playing chat. Uh, it's all been history since there. But like, I I still like Phoenix for like what he does, and I think what Phoenix's role should excel in is just being a burst entry. It's a rude, in-your-face, egotistical. Fuck you! I'm taking this. Yeah, I mean, and, we we discussed like, the the ways we could yeah. we could buff him to make him that character, but I think that with the definitely with the current buff that he's getting slash got um that doesn't necessarily do that but is that okay it doesn't do it entirely but i think it makes him viable to the point where from a ranked setting you can use it i think i'd be able to like post buff be able to pick phoenix in a ranked setting and just be like hey guys like and you know maybe not on every map um, but I think it'd be like, hey guys, I'm going to play Phoenix and I'm just going to fucking run it down on offense and on defense too. I'm just going to fucking push them. And if I fall back, I need to fall back. But like, I'm just going to do everything I can to fucking go in. And I think his kit does allow for that. Like, is it the strongest it could be? No. Is it good enough to make him competitively viable i also think no 
but I think it's good enough that in ranked play, it can still be really strong. If you're going to play that very, you know, fast sight hit play style of we're just going to get spiked down as soon as possible. And I think he's an incredible agent for that. And a ranked play, I think it could work out pretty well. Yeah. So if Riot is introducing a lot of more agents, I feel like that's the way to do it where you're not having power creep. And I mean, you're still going to make it more complicated for new players, but to really like get the power creep under control, I think that they need to be okay with introducing agents that aren't going to be immediately played in comp or not in comp. I mean, in pro, mm-hmm. uh, which it doesn't seem like that's their current goal, especially with the introduction of fade being their most recent agent who immediately has seen a fuck ton of comp or like pro play. Um, now, that might just be recency bias because Neon before that was not immediately like used in a lot of pro play. Or Yoru. Or Yoru. Or Chamber when he first came out. No, Chamber's kind of just been good from the start. Yeah, okay, but right, right when Chamber came out, he did not see a ton of pro play. No, but you that's any dominated. new character. You have to give it a couple of week buffer that I'm not even considering. No, but it wasn't even a couple of week buffer. Like it was longer than that. Like you have to give it a tournament buffer. Maybe. Uh I mean, but yeah, okay, like I see what you're saying. Yeah, Chamber Chamber was good from the get-go. Like they didn't need to tune his kid. But Fade has been good from the get-go. Um It's been no, but like Fade's been I from the get-go. People have immediately begun to use her exactly which means she's been better than a niche current like presently filled right in whatever way they are deciding that fade is better for something than another agent in their team comp that was not necessarily true with neon definitely not true with yoru but 100 percent true for chamber and and for uh Fade. See, I, I I don't even like I like I I feel like Fade has seen an introduction into the meta more so than than Chamber has because I feel like when when Chamber was released he was seen as an alternative to the Jet Op, whereas when uh when Fade was released he was seen as an alternative to the Sova information gathering aspect and. Her kit enabled her to work in other scenarios where Sova didn't. However, because Jet was as strong as she was when Chamber came out, I feel like Chamber was not immediately just picked up on. The he was, but but in I think that Chamber was immediately picked up on about as much as Fade has been. And I, then I like when and more. then when the Jet nerves hit, like Chamber became fucking huge. Do you think Fame Chamber would still be as huge if they reversed the jet nerfs? I think no. I think you like Chamber's still damn good, and everyone was immediately like there was still the the jet chamber comps all over the place, right? Which is why I'm kind of disagreeing with your point here. But I think that you would see a little bit less Chamber pick if the jet nerfs were reversed. Um, you just see a fuck ton more jet too. So like it does that doesn't solve any problems. Obviously, I don't want them to revert the jet nerfs, but I do. I think that 
the that when Chamber came out, he was about as present in pro play as Fade currently is. And then when the Jet nerfs hit, he became even more present. Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Just like going back on this non sequitur a bit. I really like Jet post nerf. But it just it doesn't enable you to op on defense to the same efficacy that you were able to. Which like obviously directly affects me as someone who number one just just does better on defense. Like I just on average do better on defense regardless of agent. Um and number two oh well I I guess number two is kind of like one point five. I like opping. And obviously current jet just can't do that as well. Um but I really like the 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 jet changes. I just wish there was a manner of having these changes and still having her be somewhat viable as a defensive op. Like, obviously, that's like a... It's a non-sequitur, but like... Yeah, well, on that non-sequitur, I feel like we've talked about this this topic enough. We're kind of going in circles at this point, but uh, Mm -hmm. that's kind of the point of the podcast as well. And uh, there's about as much as we can do to get this to a normal-length podcast with uh, only two opinions in the matter. <laughs> yeah, uh Hunter, do you wanna chime in with anything here? No. Nah, he's got nothing to say. Yeah, okay. I, I kinda figured. Um Alrighty, well with that note, good riddance. And uh Chase, do you have anything to say? I mean we'll see you next week, uh maybe with Hunter, maybe without me. I don't know what the fuck is going on next week. Um we'll figure it out as the time passes. So uh with that we will drink with you later. <laughs>